It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty back from two weeks on the road for homecoming against Memphis. We're going to talk about the Tigers, both sets of them. Coming up shortly, but uh, first of all, I want to let you guys know medical technology is moving as fast as your smartphone these days. More and more people are receiving medical device implants like knees, shoulders, hernia mesh, pacemakers, and others. These devices are saving lives, but just like car parts, they can also have recalls and things can go wrong. If you or a friend has a device with a recall, you need to know right away. Visit trackmyimplants.com to learn more and have peace of mind notifications in real time. Again, trackmyimplants.com. We also have a link to their website on the podcast page. And also this week's uh, podcast is brought to you by Mark Skid, the new underwear company trying to make a mark on the world owned by a Mizzou fan. We will tell you a little bit more about Mark Skid later on, but you can visit them at M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Enter the promo code POWERMIZZOU. For 15% off your first order at checkout and free U.S. shipping. Again, Gabe DeArmond and uh, Mitchell Forty here. And um, a lot of planning went into this podcast, Mitchell. Are we ready to go? (laughs) Yep, we're going to talk about Memphis and some other stuff that we haven't yet decided. This is the to-be-determined version of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. All right, we are going to start with a preview of the Memphis Tigers this weekend coming in for a 3 o'clock game. Game's on SEC Network, so you can watch it there. Don't ask me again. Uh, We're going to talk to Isaac Simpson. He covers the Tigers for TigersportsReport.com, the Memphis site on the Rivals Network. Isaac, what's going on, man? Man, good, man. How you doing, Gabe? Not too bad. Uh, Appreciate you taking some time. And so I I just want to start with this, like, uh, I think that Memphis game was unfolding. Memphis UCF last week, about the same time Missouri and Alabama were playing. So all of us yeah. in the press box were just following that kind of on game tracker. We didn't really know what happened. So they're up thirty to fourteen, and then I mean, what happened? Um, yeah, man, we were uh, up there in the press box. We we're feeling good first half. Uh, if you wrote the game script, script out on paper before the game, it, it couldn't have went any better. Uh, first half, Memphis came out, run the football, establishing the run, which is something that I talked about they had to do in order to have success against Central Florida, and that worked out, man. Um, it looked, looked really good. Probably played the best half offensively and defensively that they played the entire year. And go in at halftime, and uh, UCF made some adjustments. I think they, instead of having uh, some of their bigger defenders out there, they had to put some more athletic and more speed out there and kind of shut down the Memphis running game and uh, the rain game, uh, which Memphis, for some reason, it, it seems like rain is the Tigers' trip tonight. Anytime it rains, Brady Wright really struggles um, in that environment. They had a couple of turnovers and didn't score a single point um, in, in the second half. Had a big back-breaking play. I think uh, UCF was set up uh, fourth and one on their own 29. Um, and ran, ran the ball straight up the middle, ended up in a 78-yard touchdown, going to distance. And uh, momentum just was on UCF side. Clock, mid-clock mismanagement down the stretch. On the last drive, it appeared Memphis had an opportunity to set up for a game-winning field goal. Um, let a lot of times run out the clock, didn't spike the ball, and the clock ended up uh, running out on them and didn't even get an attempt at a game-winning field goal. And look up, man, they, they lose the game 31-30, a game which it really felt like Memphis dominated and, and should have won. 
Maybe rain is the, the kryptonite for tigers everywhere because we certainly have seen it for Mizzou this year. Uh, Isaac Mitchell Forty yeah. here. You uh, you mentioned that rushing attack of Memphis. You know, Daryl Henderson is the Memphis running back. He leads the nation in like you know five or six different categories: rushing yeah. yards, you know, yards from scrimmage. Is he the type? You know, just how good is he? Is he the type of player who's capable of, of breaking off a, a few big plays and you know, kind of winning a game by himself? Um, he's a home run hitter, uh, no doubt about that. If you if you let him get in space, uh, he he's hard to catch. Uh, once if if he gets through, especially if he gets through that that first level uh, of defenders, if he gets to that second level, you're gonna have a hard time bringing him down because not only is he fast, he's he's a bit of a bruiser. He's not a big guy, but he put on about 15 to 20 pounds of muscle uh, this off season, and it's really helped him because he can he can break some tackles out there. Like I said, if he gets out and gets in the space, uh, you get open, you you're probably not catching Dow Henson. He's a home run threat every time he touches the football. Well, this game's really interesting to me because the one thing Missouri's done pretty well on defense is stop the run. They can't yeah. stop the pass at all, and and I think Missouri's problem in facing Memphis is, yeah, Henderson's good, but this passing game, I mean, they don't put up ridiculous numbers, but, I mean, Brady White's got one interception. He's one of the top ten rated passers in the country. He's been really efficient. Um, you know, so let's say Missouri either either – they, I mean, first off, do you think Memphis will come in here and try to establish Henderson no matter what? Or given this matchup, do you think they lean more on Brady White than they have in the past? Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I think some of, the, some of the passing numbers are a little bit skewed because of some of the, the competition Memphis has played, Mercer, South Alabama, and Georgia State, and UConn. So some of the passing numbers, they look, they look pretty good, but they, those numbers are a little bit skewed. I, I think they'll come out and – and still try to establish the run uh, early in the game. Like you said, I think Missouri's 25th in the nation and stopped, stopped the run, only giving up about 120 yards. So, like you said, it's kind of an interesting matchup because Missouri, what, what they don't do well, Memphis has kind of struggled with, and what Memphis doesn't do well, that's kind of Missouri's strength. So, yeah. I, I'm kind of interested, but I think when, the, when they come out, I think they'll try to establish the run. But I think in order to win this game, if you're Memphis, I think you're going to have to pass the football. And, and, and Brady, has been, he's been better. Um, um, I, I mean, UConn is historically bad defensively, uh, but he looked better. Yeah, we saw that last against, year. Yeah, yeah, he looked he looked he looked better throwing the football against UConn. He made some plays against Central Florida as well. But I think if Memphis is going to win this game, they're not going to do it through the air. I think they they have to get 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 it done on the ground, or they're not going to not going to be able to put enough points on the board. And I think uh, that that's going to be the challenge for them on Saturday. Isaac, uh, you know. During Missouri's uh, kind of recent three-game losing streak here, uh, Drew Locke has struggled a, a good bit. And, uh, you know, I know throughout his career in the past, he's kind of feasted on, on these matchups with, you know, teams that don't really have, uh, you know, really uh, high, uh, you know, athletic defenses. But uh, on paper, at least, Memphis's defense looks like it's done decently well against the past this season. Um, you know, is that maybe skewed by matchups against, like, Navy, who never throws the ball, and, and Mercer was overmatched? Or, or are they, you know, a defense that could give Drew Luck trouble? Uh, I mean, they, they've been a little, little bit of Jekyll and Hyde this year. Uh, like you said, you have to take into account those four games against real uh, lower-tier competition. Uh, you have to take that into account. But they've they play really well at times. Like, you, you look at the, the game against Central Florida first half. I mean, they were absolutely lights out. Uh, but then you – other times, even in the game against South South Alabama, I think uh, their wide receiver, big wide receiver, I think he's about 6'4", 220. Jamarius Way really had his way with this type of defense. Uh, T.J. Carter uh, was thought about thought about as being maybe the best cornerback in the American coming into season. one of the best freshman years I've ever seen, and he's – 
he's had a struggle uh, this season. He hasn't been the same guy he was last year. And the other cornerback, Tito Whitnam, was been excellent. He's a senior. He's been excellent as well, but he struggled a bit. So it's been kind of hit or miss. There have been times where they played really well, and in other stretches they've given up big, big chunks of yards. Like I said, even South Alabama was able to, to move the football uh, and complete the passes on the secondary. So uh, I think that's going to be really important, especially when you got a quarterback like – facing a quarterback like Drew Locke, like they will be on, on Saturday. It's going to be pertinent that they – they play better. Uh, hopefully it's one of the hit games instead of one of the missed games for them. I've had a theory about this game since I saw it on the schedule. Now, normally, uh, in a, uh, you know, an American team playing on the road at an SEC team, like that's the game that team kind of circles all year and says, this, yeah. is, this is one we, we really want to get up for. It, it's my thought maybe that, that the schedule could help Missouri in this a little bit because you correct me if I'm wrong, but that game last week against Central Florida, I mean, that one's been circled for a year. Yeah. That was Memphis' oh, no Super doubt. Bowl. Is there, is there a chance you think of a letdown coming, like getting so high for that game that you can't get that high again the next week? Yeah, that that's definitely a concern. Uh, I've talked about that throughout the week because, like you said, that Central Florida game. I think they've been uh, thinking about that game ever since last year. Uh, couldn't wait, especially with you thinking the fact that you got them at home. Um, I mean, they were really prepared for that game. You can tell the way they came out first half. I wish they could have could have held on there. But uh, in the post-game press conference, I was in there, and I've never seen the guys on this team that low. I mean, they look like they had lost, just lost the championship game. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can get back up uh, this week. Because, I, I, like you said, I think they had that game circled for a long time and to lose it, especially in the fashion that they did. Uh, to turn around the next week and go on the road and place a uh, – it's going to be – uh, a pretty tough place to play against the SEC opponent. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can get back up for this one. Uh, it's mentally that that's going to be something tough to bounce back from. Uh, especially, like I said, the way those guys look in that locker room and after, after that game. Uh, but so that going into this game, it's going to be interesting to see emotionally uh, can can these guys get up and go out and play against a really good tough football team. Isaac, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit that Memphis has had, you know, four of its first seven games have come against, you know, fairly weak competition, uh, you know, Mercer, yeah. uh, South Alabama, a few others, and, and three games, you know, maybe been a little, against a little bit better teams, but they've lost all three of those games yeah. against Navy, Tulane, yeah. UCF. So, you know, is, is this kind of a case where, you know, you're still kind of waiting to figure out exactly, you know, what this Memphis team is and how good it can be? Yeah, it, it, it's weird. Um, it, it's definitely disappointing uh, for the Tigers will be sitting here at four and three. We, I, I think, when the schedule came out, you're looking at it. Uh, you probably think the Tigers would be probably uh, five and uh, six and one, five and two at worst. Um, in worst case scenario, uh, five and two, and, and they're sitting here at four and three. Uh, you look at, I mean, just got blasted by two lanes. Uh, that's definitely one. I mean, you look at the, the schedule and you would thought, oh, if they if they go down there, and don't play well, they might. Might have to sweat it out a little bit, but you think they win that game? The Navy won. Navy is always tough, but they're, they're down this year going into the season. I thought it'd be a tough game, but I thought they'd win that one as well. And, and UCF is tough, but you had them at home. Um, like I said, the revenge factor. Uh, you thought if they were going to lose one, you thought that would would be it. Uh, so you think you'd be six and one right now, uh, probably at worst. And then you, they're sitting at four and three. So it's been a dis- bit of a disappointment, uh, but. Um, I forgot what was the question again. Sorry, just kind of you know where, what? How, like how do you know yet? You know how good this team is? Is it the team that almost beats UCF, yeah, or is it, it the team that gets rolled by Tulane? Yeah, it, it's kind of weird uh, because I mean you go 
toe-to-toe, especially in the first half with, with a top-ten team in the nation. But you come out and watch that game against Tulane. It, I mean, Tulane just comes out just lining up, running the football, all the, running right down their throat. Um, I, I think this team is a good football team. I think I think they're better than their 4-3 and three record. I, I just It's tough. I think you go back to the Navy game, a one-point loss, it was raining in that game as well. Um, like I said, this rain seems to be the scene script tonight. Uh, and and I, I, they had, I think, five turnovers in that game. I think if, if they if they lined up and played Navy ten times, I think they'd probably win nine of them. Uh, so I, I think this team is better than their four and three record. I, I'm I'm just kind of concerned of what I talked about earlier. If they can get up emotionally uh, for this game, especially when it would have been a non-conference game, um, et cetera, et cetera, it, it's going to be interesting to see can they bounce back after a really tough week. Because the way they lost that game, man, it, it, it's tough to not even have an opportunity at a game winning field goal when you were in range. Uh, they had a big penalty there late that took about a field goal range. Uh, probably should have clocked the ball, had a couple opportunities to do it and didn't, and, and to come out there with a one-point loss, I think, for, like you said, a quote-unquote Super Bowl game, game that they had circled for, I'm, I'm sure, a year uh, to lose that game like that. I think it's going to be uh, tough for them to bounce back emotionally. Spend a few more minutes here with Isaac Simpson from TigerSportsReport.com. And, uh, Isaac, uh, I mean, obviously Mike Norvell had a really good year last year. This is year three taking over Justin Fuente's program. I mean, just looking at their schedule, after Missouri, they get three straight games they should win against East Carolina, Tulsa, SMU, regular season finale against Houston. So you're looking at anywhere from seven and five to nine and three. What is the concern level that somebody's going to come knocking and want Mike Norvell, and, and what would Memphis's ability to keep him be after this year? Oh, well, going into the season, I think it was a, a huge concern. Uh, there was – we, we really didn't expect him to be back after last season. Um, Arkansas was, was the spot that we thought that he would land, but he was on a lot of other teams' lists, and they end up getting him extension. He ends up staying for this year. But we thought uh, if they have the type of success that they had last year, there's no way they can bring him back next year. But now that they're 4-3, they're and three, they've kind of taken some bad losses. I, I, I expect fully expect Mike Norville to be – the head coach of the Memphis Tigers next year, especially with the way uh, this thing is gone. Because I think, like I said, it's been a bit of a disappointment. I think even though they lose a quarterback like Riley Ferguson and a wide receiver like Anthony Miller, uh, the, the cover wasn't bad. I think both media members and people here in the city of Memphis thought that, that this team could, could achieve something similar to what they did last year. And to, to be sitting here with, with three losses, um, it's kind of tough. Um, you're going into a, a game against a Missouri team, and if you lose that when you come out of it, Four and four. I don't think anybody here expected that the Tigers would be sitting four and four after eight games. So uh, I, I think it still it could be a possibility that someone could come calling. But I think if I had to bet right now, I, I would say Mike Norvell uh, will be the head coach of the Memphis Tigers next year, especially looking at where they are right now. Isaac, uh, I know that you know football team obviously has been good the past few years, but when you talk about Memphis right now, you got to bring up the basketball program and Penny Hardaway. I know I saw a couple videos from their Memphis Madness (laughs) event a couple weeks ago. It was, you know, a packed house. (laughs) Has the fan base at this point kind of, you know, with the the football teams, you know, kind of struggles turned turned into uh, to basketball mode a little bit, or what's kind of the the feeling around there right now? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's definitely a topic of of conversation down here. Um, But people, Memphis has always traditionally been a quote-unquote basketball school. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the last couple of years, it's kind of kind of flipped. But I think basketball is always going to be king here in the city. And with the, the anticipation, uh, they, they have the first exhibition game here next Thursday night. Uh, Tigers lose this one. If they just go up to Missouri and lose this one, come back home 4-4. Four and four, I think some people might start to 
to kind of tune it out. Uh, Memphis is kind of a kind of a, a fair weather city. I, I hate to say that uh, they they always get get behind winners, and if when this basketball team gets rolling, which I think they're going to have a a really big year with them getting things started off next week. Uh, if the Tigers continue to drop games, I think people could could kind of kind of go over, move over to basketball and kind of football, not necessarily afterthought, but but not at the forefront like it's been the last couple of years. I think basketball could could take over people's mindset here uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. All right, last thing for you, Isaac. I, I never like to put people on the spot for a prediction, but what <laughs> needs to happen uh, for Memphis to walk out of here with a win on Saturday? Um, if Memphis is going to go up there and win, I think, number one, they're going to play what, what Mike Norvell always coaches a, a clean game, quote-unquote clean game. They can't turn the football over, which something that's something that they really haven't done. They, they In Navy game, and they had a couple in the second half against Central Florida, but only year, especially – as far as interceptions, Brady White does not turn the ball over. He doesn't take a lot of chances. So that's something that they, that has to continue. Because if they turn the ball over uh, against this team, I think they're going to be in, in a world of trouble. So they can't turn the ball over. Got to got to limit penalties. Uh, I, I think they have to somewhat establish the run game. Um, if they can establish the run game, Brady White is a guy. He's not going to throw the ball deep down the field. You're not going to see him coming out slinging the ball over the, all over the yard, like kind of like Drew Locke. He's a guy that that does the short to intermediate pass is extremely accurate. So if they can, can establish the running game at all, which, like I said, Missouri is really good against the run, they're going to have to establish the running game, and that can open up a little bit of that passing game, which, like you said, I think Missouri's given up 300 yards a game. If they can uh, run the ball a little bit and get the, get the passing game going, I think they can, they can get into a game where it goes back and forth, and if one team makes a mistake, uh, I, I think that's the way that Memphis could win the game. Uh, I think this could be one of those whoever has the ball last type of games that could, could win the ball game. So I, I think that's the kind of game that Memphis needs to get into. Uh, but, but they're going to have to establish the run early uh, to open up that passing game a little bit. All right, Isaac, much appreciated, man. We'll uh, we'll be following on Saturday. No problem, man. Looking forward to it. I wish wish I could get up there. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it. I plan, had plans to coming up there, but not going to be able to make it. But we'll be watching over on the SEC Network, man. It should be fun. Interesting game for sure. Yeah, sometime you'll get up to the state of Missouri and we'll take you for good barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> had, had to hit me with that one, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, man. Thank you for yeah, having thanks, me. Thanks, Isaac. All right, Isaac. Have a good one, man. All right, so uh, it, I don't know about you, Mitchell. I'm tired of covering these whoever has the ball last game. Yeah, well, it, that, that's got to change. That I mean, the, I think I think in in games that that Missouri has a chance to win, that's always going to yeah. be the case because the defense doesn't stop a whole lot of people. The only time it's uh, the other way around is when they're playing like Alabama. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, last week was not one of those games. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alabama did have the ball last. Though, yeah, so actually, no. I think didn't Mizzou like kneel out the clock or something? I, I don't really remember. I we were trying to get to the ago, press quit paying attention. So. Yeah, to be quite honest, no. So, I don't, every game, like we waste our lives in May going through schedules and saying who's going to be good and all mm-hmm. that. Like, I, I would have looked at this game in May and thought, man, this is this is really really tough, and maybe it will be really tough. Yeah, but like. You can't lose this game. Missouri can't lose this game. Right, right. I mean, like, I think Memphis, they're an explosive team. Like, they're the type of team that gives you a little bit of worry because they, you know, they always have the proverbial, like, puncher's chance because they have some really good athletes and a really high-scoring offense. But, I mean, like, yeah, Missouri can't lose to a team that gave up 40 points to Tulane. Like, that's just, that, especially, you know, with this being kind of a little bit of a reprieve after three really hard games and going into an you know, important home stretch in conference play. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, I, I don't know uh, it, as far as the future and all that, but, like, this this has got to be a win because 
if this isn't a win, now all of a sudden your your limits probably what seven and five. Yeah, probably. And I mean, like you know, I I I you get the sense like talking to the players like they're, they're still like you know the confidence is still somewhat there. Like they they haven't given up by any means. They knew those they they just played three good teams. But you gotta wonder. I mean, a loss to Memphis at home would I totally erode any fan support and probably I mean it's gotta hurt the chances of of a comeback from a psyche standpoint. Well, and it's just so. If they make one play, I don't care which one, <laughs> change twenty one of twenty plays against South Carolina, like I don't think anybody's. I think everybody's pretty happy. Absolutely, right? yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, if your only losses were to Georgia and Alabama, absolutely, and and like even if they like lose to South Carolina in like a less terrible way with, right. when South Carolina's playing the starting quarterback, because like coming into the season, you know, I thought those th- three games were probably all losses. But but yeah, just the way it happened and, and you know, against a backup quarterback and giving up the the last minute the, the the drive at the end of the game, I don't know. I think that that really uh, you know, that's obviously been been difficult for people to get over and they haven't had a win to help them get over it. So Right. You know, the yeah. fact Alabama was the next week really kind of you just knew it was going to mm-hmm. be a terrible week <laughs> yeah. for for Missouri fans. So hey, we'll move on to basketball here in a couple minutes. But like, here's what I learned about the SEC last week. There's one really good team. Mm-hmm. One. I I don't know what LSU is for sure, but pretty good team. I, yeah, I think there's two pretty good. I think Georgia and LSU Georgia's are both still pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you know. Like New Year's Six Bowl good. But not playoff level good. Probably not. I mean, because I think what LSU did last year, they turned the SEC into a one-bid playoff. The yeah. only way the SEC gets two teams this this year is if LSU runs the table, beats Alabama, and Alabama's sitting there at 11-1, and one, didn't make the title game, and then we get the outrage from all over the country, SEC bias, Alabama yeah. can't win its division. I would also argue maybe say say Alabama keeps being dominant and then like slips up and loses to Georgia in the title game like then Georgia probably yeah. gets in and Alabama still probably gets in. But anyway, but I, I agree. But how that, does Georgia get in and LSU doesn't get in? Well, because I guess LSU would have lost twice. LSU would have yeah lost twice and Georgia yeah. would have won the won that whole conference. Fortunately, but, the playoff has solved all these problems. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I agree that like Alabama's. Head and shoulders above everyone else. Georgia and LSU are pretty good. And then everyone else could beat anyone on any given week. I mean, we were watching the first half of Vandy, Florida in Tuscaloosa last week. And, like, Vandy legitimately looked like the better team. Like, it looked like no accident. They were pushing Florida around for a half. So, Florida is – Kentucky – I mean, these are good teams. But the difference between being – Fourth and ninth in this league is just like going to be like three plays at the end. <laughs> and right, like you know, catching a team on the wrong day or whatever. Like Tennessee at times this season looked absolutely hopeless. Yeah. And then they they dominated Auburn in the second half. Like they didn't just win; they won going away. So like I don't know, it's crazy. Uh, it just you know it, that's what happens when you got college kids lining up. Right. You know they they're they're not machines. They're far from it. They have you know other stuff going on. Who knows? Uh, and. You know the talent disparity is not big enough, except in Alabama's case, to make it. You know, you know, a, a foregone conclusion. Going to turn to basketball shortly, but first off, Mizzou fans, make your mark on the world while the Tigers do it on the field. All you have to do is switch to Mark Skid, the new eco-friendly underwear company started by one of you guys. That's right. You can make your mark on the world just by changing your underwear, which, frankly, I hope is something you at least do every day. Uh, <laughs> call of action. Uh, call to action to make your mark on the world. Mark Skid believes all brands, not just underwear, should have the same qualities as the people you admire in life. 
Every pair donates $4 on your behalf to one of the four-star charities to save, feed, and cure the world. One a purchase of one pair of underwear can provide safe drinking water to a person for seven years, feed a child in the developing world for 12 days, or vaccinate two children. Go to markskid.com, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D.com. Use the checkout code POWERMAZOO for 15% off your first order and free shipping in the United States. Uh, Mitchell, unbeknownst to almost everyone yesterday, the SEC had basketball media days <laughs> in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, there was a crowd of handfuls in attendance. Uh, it, it's just, I don't get why they do it. it it's yeah. in the middle of the week, in the middle of football season. Like, nobody's going to go. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, media days as a whole is kind of an antiquated mm-hmm. concept because, you know, you have, like, sites like ours that, that only cover one one team and don't need to talk to all these other coaches for big preview sections or anything like that. But it's especially so for basketball in the SEC because right now, you know, every school that's not named Kentucky doesn't care. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it, you know, basketball season is great. We, we, we'll cover it once we get to it. But right now it's just like we, we got uh, we got bigger fish to fry here. But we're, we're going to fry the small fish for a few minutes anyway. I mean, the, the polls came out like – Missouri's picked ninth, and mm-hmm. I have taken more than my share of shots at SEC basketball over the last few years. This might be the best conference in the country this year. Yeah, it's really good, and it's really deep, too. I mean, like, you know, as we saw last year, you, they got, what, eight teams in the tournament last year? And yeah. I think a couple more were on the bubble. And I think they've got a shot at 10 this year. Yeah, so, I mean, like, and, and there's, no, there's, no, there's no team that you look at this year and you think that team's going to be terrible, no. too. So, I mean, uh, it'll be interesting, like, you know, College basketball, like like college football, like we were just saying, you, any day you never know. Like you could win or lose, especially when you're playing two, twice a week. So, uh, I could see I could see Mizzou like being anywhere from like I don't know like fourth or fifth to like eleventh or twelfth. I mean, like who who knows? Yeah, being picked ninth in this league is is not unfair. Uh, there's some question marks. I mean, it, like I I didn't I don't have the poll in front of me, but I imagine Old Miss was picked thirteenth or fourteenth. Like yeah, you can see most teams in this league going to Oxford and losing a game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, new coach they they've still got some talent. I, I don't know. I mean, like same like I I I think uh, who else was I don't know. I don't even remember. But yeah, yeah. Like you get the point. Like just road games in college basketball are you know always a always a fifty fifty you know probability. So I. Uh, I think the league is deep. I think there's obviously some really good talent at the top with Tennessee and Kentucky. And I think, as we saw last year, you know, I think what Auburn and Tennessee were picked yeah. like 13th or 9th respectively. Yeah. So, yeah. and and they they were the two best teams in the league. So, like, you know, we we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, but it, but it's interesting. I think. I mean, Auburn's picked third this year. I can see Auburn being that team that like they snuck up on everybody last year, and they're not going to sneak up on anybody this year. Right. Vandy, I believe, was picked eighth. Like they'll be talented. I think Vandy's going to be really good this year. Yeah, it's always you know you never know when you bring in those that that crop of really talented freshmen. Like sometimes it works out, and sometimes it can be a disaster. Um, I I I think they'll. I mean, they'll be more talented than the eighth best team in the league. I would think, at least mm-hmm. as far from a from a starting lineup perspective. But I don't know. It's you know it's always always interesting to see how they'll handle that. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I know Tennessee's obviously got Grant Williams back. They'll be good. Kentucky's reloaded. They got even even a senior, I think, in grad transfer, Reed Travis. Yeah, he hasn't been there right. for four years, but he's still a senior. That's wild. So. Yeah. Um, so, Jonte Porter was, was picked second team all SEC. Honestly, I, 
I was surprised by that, but then I looked at the first team, and and I can't find any fault with right. it. Uh, Mizzou Madness is on Saturday night, so it's an hour after the football game ends. So the football game should end 6.30, 6.45, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. You can immediately go over to Mizzou Arena. The They'll do some games, and the women will have like a 12-minute scrimmage, and the men will have a 12-minute scrimmage. Michael Porter Jr. is not going to play in this. Um <laughs> I, like, it's just a chance to see the team. It's the yeah. equivalent of the football spring game. Right, absolutely. Maybe even a little bit uh, less, like, revealing of... Meaningful. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's a you know it's a chance to show off everyone. Uh, obviously, there won't be, I don't think, quite the excitement uh, with, with Michael Porter Jr. not being there. Uh, I assume they might still do a dunk contest. I don't know. I know last year it was horribly rigged in favor of Michael Porter Jr. Yes, <laughs> but- <laughs> horrible. Like, I don't think he made one till the finals. <laughs> But they, I assume that maybe that'll be more equitable this year. Who knows? But yeah, it's just a chance to see the team. We'll we'll be able to talk to uh, to Conzo and a few of the players afterwards. So it'll be a it'll be a busy evening for us. But uh, but you'll get some information out of it. And I guess the I don't want to say news, but Conzo Martin did confirm yesterday they're trying to get Drew and Mark Smith eligible through right. NCAA waivers. I mean. At this point, I think it's the exception when a waiver doesn't get approved. Maybe I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand how this stuff works. They I, just I, make I get it up. the rule. Yeah, I get the rule. But like the yeah the the you know the the precedent is extremely murky. So I I don't know. I I I've I've heard different things from like different people. Some people think that that Drew Smith's more likely to get approved because he got a coach fired. Other people say no. They they don't. Well, do he didn't it for get the, a coach fired. Right, right. The coach he, just happened he to be had fired. A, yeah. He had his previous coach fired. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And uh, and you know other people say no. You need more than that because otherwise it's open up too big a can of worms. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, all I know is and, I, they'll t- they'll tell us when they decide. But it would be it would be important for the team to get another guard for sure. Yeah, there's going to be no rhyme or reason to it. We don't know. It's the NCAA and. The only other thing I kind of wanted to touch on basketball-wise, so it came out today that basically the NBA has approved this rule where elite prospects, and I don't know how you qualify as an elite prospect. I don't know if it's on ranking or just the G League puts out a list, whatever. But basically elite prospects out of high school who are at least 18 years old but are not technically eligible for the NBA draft can play in the G League for up to $125,000 for a year after high school. So what that basically means now is these elite kids are going to have a choice. Do I want to go to college and play college basketball for a year and put up the facade that I'm going to classes and all mm-hmm. that? Or do I want to go make up to $125,000 and kind of kickstart my professional career? Like they're going to be, I don't know if it's going to be widespread, but they're going to be kids that do this. Yeah. The downside is now the money they earn actually, I assume, will be taxed in the G League, whereas the money they've been earning the last few years has just been kind of slipped in a box at a shell station. <laughs> right, of course, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I'm sure some kids have done I mean, even before this, a couple of kids, I know Darius Basley, and yeah, went and did went and did uh, the, the G League right out of high school, so I don't know. I mean, there, there's a lot of moving parts here, right? Like, you know, is the sport actually clean? Are kids actually, are, are you know, players going to really not get any you know, extra benefits to be be uh, playing college for a year. If so, that might sway some more towards the G League. But also at the same time, you know, exposure is definitely greater in college basketball. You know, you get the chance to 
to be like the big man on campus and maybe play for a coach like Mike Krzyzewski, assuming he comes through this on I don't know how he ever gets guys. I mean, he doesn't even know shoe companies are involved. So. <laughs> right, of course, yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like, I, I, I definitely think some players will, uh, will, will go the G League route. I don't think it's maybe as many as, uh, as we think. Like, you know, for the guys that that really think they're uh, have a good chance of being one and done, like you can make back one hundred twenty five thousand dollars very quickly. Yeah. Um, so, and I think the chance to to you know you know play under the lights in, in college will be appealing to a lot. So I don't know. We'll see. I know I saw. Some speculation that, like, you know, Josh Christopher, maybe this could affect Mizzou's for him. I don't. That that would really surprise me. Yeah. I mean, he's good, but he's by no one's calling him, you know, a surefire lottery pick or anything like that after his first year. And uh, and you know, he's got a he's got a. Uh, I mean, he's a six five kid, right? Isn't that about right? Yeah, he's probably six four, six five. Yeah. Guard, so yeah. It, like those kids are not often. It, Six four isn't one and done a whole lot, right? Yeah, you know? now, he can score, but I I don't know I, I I don't see him being quite ready for the NBA yet. I mean, he could yeah. get there, but um, he will be on campus this weekend. Yep. And look, we've made a couple jokes about it. So I just want to ask, like, how come nobody's talking about this basketball trial? Like, outside of Dan Wetzel, nobody seems to be paying attention to it. Dan Wetzel and Adam Zagori are covering it, and everybody else is like, la 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 la, this isn't happening. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird to me too. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like, like we were saying earlier, no one wants to care about college basketball right now. It's football season, I, I yeah. guess. Like, but this is a huge deal. Um, but I, I think you know a lot of media outlets don't want to pay for someone to go cover it. Like ESPN does. Who do they even have that covers college basketball anymore? Fair I mean, point. Like, like you know they have the talking heads like Billis, but like he's not going to go to a trial. Um, so I don't he should. know. Should <laughs> he's a lawyer? <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I, I think that's a big part of it. But like the the thing that gets me is like like a lot of the schools that have been involved haven't even really you know done it. Like not. I don't expect anyone to fire a coach yet. But right. uh, like haven't even done anything aside maybe issue a vague statement you know coaches haven't spoken about it it's like i mean it has been really ignored even on the local level and here's why i think nobody's paying attention to it because we're all so cynical nobody expects this to change anything yeah i nobody expects the ncaa to come out and put kansas and arizona and all these schools on probation i mean i i think it's gonna be oh there's way too much here we can't mess with this everybody everybody just please please don't do this again yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I could definitely see that. I, I don't I don't know. I'm not I can definitely say I'm not confident that the whole system's going to change. You know, I think I mean, since the like inception of college basketball, if people have wanted to cheat, they have and they'll find probably a new way to do so. At this point, I mean, I, I do almost feel like if the NCAA isn't going to do anything to, you know, like Bill Self or Kansas or. And it might take a while because right now it's still an FBI investigation. It's going to take a while for the NCAA to sort through this and and uh, and whatnot. But like, if they don't like, I mean, like, how can they even continue to exist? I don't get it. Like, I mean, like, you are. What do you do? Right. Yeah. You're not. I mean, you can't enforce any rules. What exactly would you say it is that you do here, <laughs> yeah. NCAA? Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be pro wrestling. It's uh, <laughs> it's fun to watch, but like, you know, who's going to win because those guys all got paid half a million dollars to go play there. So. Yeah. Whatever. Um, yeah, the trial's going on. There may be actually a verdict by the time this posts. Uh, some people, I heard Wetzel saying that Thursday afternoon, it's it's possible they wrap this thing up and make a decision. Yeah. But the trial, the the verdict of the trial, yeah, like doesn't matter. Fans don't care if T.J. Gasnola's in prison or not. Yeah, that's it, not the story. Yeah, the the coaches are not on trial. But what what the story is is what the NCAA will do with this evidence that has been put in its lap and whether or not it will act. 
So we will eventually find that out. Could be today, could be Monday. Um, by Monday, we will know if Missouri is kind of, I guess, back on track, at least by beating Memphis, heading into really the game that makes their season or breaks it, I think, uh, Kentucky next weekend uh, at home. Um, I don't know. They announced a kickoff time. I don't remember what it is. but I think it's 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. it's on at some point a uh, week from Saturday, and we're going to talk about that one next week. Um, before we go, one more reminder. I want you to check out markskid.com and – also, make sure to go to trackmyimplants.com, Mark Skid, to get new underwear to cover up the scar that you have from your implant. From I don't know. I'm just trying to find new ways to tie these things together. But check out markskid.com and track my, trackmyimplants.com, uh, both sponsors of the podcast. We appreciate them. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a week.